0: Our preaching this morning, or teaching, is coming from Jason, and I'm going to read from Colossians, Colossians chapter 1 and verses 24 to um, chapter 2, verse 3, so please uh, read along with me. Now, I rejoice in what I'm suffering for you, and this is Paul speaking, and I fill up in my flesh, which is still lacking in regards to Christ's afflictions, for the sake of his body, which is the church. To this end, I strenuously contend with all the energy Christ so powerfully works in me. I want you to know how hard I'm contending for you and for those at Laodicea and for all who have not met me personally. My goal is that they may be encouraged in heart and united in love so that they may have the full riches of complete understanding in order that they may know the mystery of God, namely Christ in whom are hidden, all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. Thanks, Jason.
1: Thanks, Blair. Good morning, everybody. I'm going to pray. I'm uh, doing a thing that happens very occasionally where you prepare your notes and then you go, is that really what God wants me to speak about? So I've warned you, look out. Who knows where it'll go? Actually, if you have your Bible, I'm going to read from the Part Just before where Blair was reading to us, Colossians chapter one, if you have a Bible with you, Colossians chapter one verse fifteen and if you don 't have a Bible that 's okay'll we'll, you can uh, listen along but let 's just take a minute and pray, Lord, here we are, and we 're here for you we 're here to honor you to be together with you and Thank you for your presence with us, Lord. Thank you for the gift of being able to come together through the finished work of the cross as we have just celebrated that we can be a people who come and stand in your presence. And we, we want to hear from you, Lord. We want to be with you. We want you to change hearts. We want you to do your work in us, in this room, also our children who are out there in the various rooms. Also, our friends and family who are in Israel right now, God, we're just praying for every part of New Life Church this morning for encounters with the Majesty, the Mercy of Jesus. I'm just going to pray through these verses, Colossians one fifteen. The Son is the image of the invisible God. We just set our minds upon you, the Son who is the image of the invisible God, this one that Paul proclaimed, Lord, we want to look upon you, we want to behold you this morning, the firstborn over all creation, the one who created all things, things we can see, the things we can't see, the things of heaven and the things of earth, the thrones and the powers, the rulers and authorities, it's all being created by you, through you, it's for you. You're before all things, Jesus. In you, everything has its place. Everything is upheld by you. You're the center of it all, Jesus. You're the head of the body, the church. This morning we say, this is not our church. This is not a church that belongs to one person. It is your Church, you are the head. You are the leader. You're the beginning and the firstborn from among the dead. Firstborn from among the dead. You who died, you are now alive forever. And you have supremacy in all things. Thank you, God, that your fullness dwells in this Son, Jesus. Through him, you've reconnected, you've reconciled everything on earth and in heaven by making peace through your blood shed on the cross lord i pray we would have the eyes of our hearts opened more and more to see the beauty to see the glory of who jesus is this one that paul was proclaiming as he wrote this letter and as we spend a few minutes just thinking about through some uh, of what Paul is encouraging the, the believers 2,000 years ago, we pray you would use this word to speak to us today. We welcome you, Holy Spirit. Let your living, powerful words touch hearts today. Amen. In the middle of those verses Blair read to us, it says, in verse 28, which will come up on the screen, he is the one we reclaim. He Being Jesus is the one we proclaim, admonishing and teaching everyone with all wisdom, so that we may present everyone fully mature in Christ. And this is what is in Paul the Apostle's heart as he's writing to believers in a city he didn't go to and people he didn't meet. But uh, Wayne, who's one of those in Israel, if you don't know Wayne and Julie, they're our lead pastors. He set this text for us this morning to look at. He is the one we proclaim, admonishing and touching everyone with all, teaching everyone with all wisdom, so that we may present everyone fully mature in Christ. Now, I didn't have this perspective. Uh, I was thinking of when I was 19, and I used to work with the team that would go into high schools. We would do youth seminars. And um, I had more of a, I didn't have a proclaim Christ, teach them that they may be presented fully mature in Christ. So I had more of a uh, get them saved, get them to pray the prayer and tick the box and that's the win. And so what I want to point out in this this morning's uh this couple of minutes we have together is the difference between the perspective I had as a 19-year-old and what Paul is longing for, what Paul is contending for, and what we are called into as friends of Jesus, as ones who are called to go and make disciples who make disciples. That's the the mission statement we have as a church, isn't it? New Life Church, to make disciple-makers. So um, I remember being with this... This team, we would we would do all kinds of fun stuff. We'd have bands. We would put kids in sumo suits and and make it fun. We would do talks in the classrooms, and where we had when we had permission, we would share stories about the things God had done in our lives. Um, We had had a good team. We had an interesting team. We had some strange people in our team. We had we had Mikey, who was Mikey would wear knee-high socks, and he would do things like. Just for a reaction, he took off his sock in one class at the start of the class. He proceeded to swing it round to fill the classroom with the fragrance of his socks. And he had this massive smile and he's just grinning while the teacher's looking at us going, who are these people and why are they in my classroom Um, that's not related to the message that's just a memory that came to me as I was was thinking of that Mark was also the kind of guy who one boxing day he went out and laid in the sun and he painted a smiley face on his torso and lay there for an hour so that the rest of the week he could lift up his shirt with this same big grin and just show this bright red with a white smiley face anyway these are the kind of people I was rolling with back in those days and um I, we, we, had a, we had a zeal to to work for God, but we didn't necessarily have this perspective that Paul had of. We were to proclaim Christ. We want to lead people to Christ so that they can be like Jesus. I remember leading a small group uh, with this team. We were up in Geraldton at the time, and it was an all-girls school, which is, just makes it awkward already when you're 19 and you're going into an all-girls school. But I uh, must have been year eight, so I remember sitting with this group of year six girls and kind of fumbling through some kind of conversation about Jesus and they're getting into the end and being like, so who wants to pray the prayer? Because there's this prayer, it's like this ticket to heaven prayer and they all kind of looked at each other awkwardly and went, yeah, okay. And so they prayed the prayer and then so I went back to my team and I was like, six in one go, wow. They all prayed the prayer. Now, I say that uh, not in a scornful way because, praise the Lord, he uses our weakness to sow good seeds. And lots of good seeds were sown through that time. But I want us to have the kind of vision that Paul had For proclaiming Christ and the goal that Paul had, which wasn't to get people to tick any religious boxes. When we think of make disciple makers and we think of our calling as a church in the city of Fremantle and beyond who we are to be as friends of Jesus, we want to have the same perspective that Paul had. And Paul's perspective was this. We proclaim Jesus, admonishing and teaching everyone with all wisdom so that we may present everyone fully mature in Christ. So that's the vision. That's who we're called to be. And so this message this morning is for those of you in the room who are followers of Jesus. But if you're not, if you're here investigating Jesus, you are welcome and there'll be something for you that God wants to speak to you in this as well. So the vision is not getting people to tick a box, pray a prayer, as if there is a ticket to heaven and that you take and go on your merry way. That, that's not In this book, Uh, that could be part of someone's journey to Jesus, but that's not the vision that we have. The vision that God has for us as the church is not a win-at-all-cost church growth strategy. Get outsiders to become insiders, and we compete with the world's entertainment systems and entertain them better here so we get more numbers here and we go, hey, look at the church growing. That's not the vision. Uh, The vision is not even just... Acquiring more information about God, uh, learning about God is good and helpful and c- if it puts us on the pathway of becoming like Jesus. But getting more information so we can have more highbrow God conversations is not the goal. The goal is not even behavior modification. That's not the goal. Behavior is important obedience is the love language of jesus read john 14 and over time behavior indicates whether our hearts are responding to god or not but what paul was after wasn't just behavior modification wasn't just get people some more information about god what did he say in verse 28 he said so that we may present everyone fully mature in christ so in other words When we think of our mission as a church here at New Life, Fremont Christian College, the vision is for discipleship to present people as mature in Christ, that they would become like Jesus. So Paul's passion is to not get people into a program, but introduce them to the person, the one that we read about a few minutes ago in verses 15. Um, The vision is to get them to look upon Jesus because fascination leads to transformation. Fascination leads to transformation. Yeah, an example of this. Consider this young man who's recently fallen in love. Parents and professors and mentors and friends, they've been pleading with him to change certain habits in his life and embrace certain disciplines for years with little effect. However, when a young man is captured, fascinated by the beauty of a young woman, suddenly everything changes and he eagerly embraces certain disciplines. His lifestyle radically shifts. He becomes suddenly interested in things he never considered before. You like hiking? I love hiking. Let's go hiking. You like ballet? Hey, there's a show in town. Let's go to the ballet. You know, he begins attending new events, having new conversations. His delight in this young woman changes his appetites and his lifestyle. That's the power of fascination. And a great book you can read to learn more about this by Samuel Whitfield, our friend who's teaching in Israel. It's called Discipleship Begins With Beholding. Discipleship Begins With Beholding, if you want to look that up later. So when it comes, when Paul was thinking of the Colossian church, he knew, I don't just need to give them new information. Actually, the church in Colossae was, they were already in a buzz about new information. What's the new angle? What's the new perspective? What's the secret What's the secret stuff about God that only the spiritually elite can, can discover? That's the atmosphere of that he's writing to a, 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 a church that's abuzz with philosophy and new ideas and give me, the, give me that special little something that gives me one up on my, my other Christian brothers and sisters. And he writes into that and just says, no, the vision is Jesus So we don't need more information. We need fascination. We need it for ourselves. And we need it for those that we want to invite into the journey with Jesus. So Paul proclaims Christ, as we just read, not because he was like James and John and Peter who had physically been with Jesus. Paul wasn't in that crew. He was living around that time, but he was not in that group of disciples and apostles. Remember who Paul was? He was the ultimate religious intellectual trained by the best of the best. So much so that he really hated these lowly Christians who were messing up the religious systems of the Jews and the Pharisees. And he persecuted them and he went out. He was literally on his way to persecute Christians when a light shone from heaven And a voice said, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? So in other words, he had all the information. He had the intellect. He had all the learning. But when he saw Jesus, when his eyes were opened, and for Paul it happened in a very dramatic way, the light shone from heaven resulting in physical blindness, which then was like the eyes of his heart were being opened, to see who Jesus was, even though he had this physical blindness. And he began this journey of realizing, Oh, everything I've been studying, everything I've been working up to, these Old Testament scriptures that I've given my life to, they're all about one man, Jesus. And the journey of beholding Jesus began. Paul knew a lot of information about God. He could have probably talked about his Bible far better than any of us in the room. You know, he could have conducted week long seminars, but he wasn't saved. He wasn't transformed by a better argument. He was transformed by beholding Jesus. And not many of us are going to see that light shining from heaven. If you do see that, you're probably about to get an assignment like Paul did, because when it's that dramatic, it means God's setting you up strategically for something. But all of us can look into the scriptures like Paul did and behold Jesus. And that's how we are transformed. And that's how we are become a people who have something to say to those around us. Now Blair read a verse after the feast of Jesus. And I have the same one here, 2 Corinthians 3.18. When Paul talked about this, he said, We all who with unveiled faces Contemplate or behold the Lord's glory of being transformed into his image with ever increasing glory which comes from the Lord who is the Spirit. So look with me and find the principle here that we're talking about making disciple makers. We're talking about wanting people to connect to Jesus for themselves. And Paul says the transformation happens as we contemplate Christ, as we behold Jesus. We all who with unveiled faces contemplate or behold the Lord's glory are being transformed into his image. This is the picture of discipleship. This is what you want to have in mind when you think about people coming to Christ that we would behold Jesus, we would be able to proclaim Jesus to them and that they would be able to see him for themselves. Not tick a box, not change a little bit of bad language, not uh, have some good information about God, although we want that, but that they would see Jesus. So being with Jesus and beholding Jesus leads to becoming like Jesus. This is how discipleship works. And that's the critical piece that we need to be those who make disciple makers, to be with Jesus. Being with Jesus more than we're attempting to do for Jesus. Being with Jesus more than we're attempting to do for Jesus because we can really busy ourselves with good Christian activities, can't we? And we can really end up with to quote Shakespeare, full of sound and fury signifying nothing. Now I don't read Shakespeare, I don't want to think of you more highly than you ought, but I saw that quote and I thought it was worth saying. Someone else read Shakespeare and I just copied their quote. But but is this, is this a picture of the church sometimes? Full of sound and fury signifying nothing. Can I have my little diagram up there? Pete Scazzaro, who's a great author, pastor, he said, Discipleship is about offering to people who we are on the inside, specifically who we are in God. And this tells us that we can only give away the life and faith we actually live each day. Read that again. Discipleship is about offering to people who we are on the inside, Specifically who we are in God. This tells us that we can only give away the life and faith we actually live each day. We want to be a disciple-making church. But we can only give away the life and the faith we actually live each day. So let's talk about a family chat in our new life context. Worship team, people, I see you. We are disciple makers. We were talking about this a few weeks ago. As a worship team, we're disciple makers. We do not need more Christian karaoke in the world. Amen? Amen. We do not just need to sing the song of the club like like any footy team would do. We need to cultivate life in Jesus so that when we come together to lead people and sing to Jesus, we're giving away of the life we have. Does that make sense? And that's when worship, a team can lead powerfully in worship because this is more than this. They've been with Jesus during the week. Youth leaders, where are you? Youth leaders, where are you at? Yes, I see you. I see even the ones who don't put their hands up. Incredible opportunities. We have how many Friday nights? 40, people, 40 kids come? 30? 30 to 40, somewhere in there? Or New Life Kids team, we have, what, 40 come on a Thursday afternoon after school? Not all of them from... Uh, households following jesus we have incredible opportunities as a church to sow into them and make disciples but we just don't want to create kids who are busy with new religious activities they're busy enough they've got enough going on in the world we want to be people who be with jesus who see jesus for ourselves are being transformed by that and that spills out onto them and we help them to see jesus Parents, it's the same for us. The being with has to outweigh the doing for. We don't want to just multiply little religious people. We want children who see us being in the presence of Jesus and being transformed by that. And when we speak to them, we speak with authority from the place of, I've seen him and he's good. I've looked at him through the scriptures. I've meditated on him and he's good. He's worth giving your life for. Let's go after him. And we're all called to this together. And our success in the mission that Jesus gave us, going to all the world and make disciples, is going to be directly tied to are we being with Jesus? Are we beholding Jesus? Remember, Paul said the beholding, the contemplating of Jesus is what leads to the transformation. So do we need to slow down our lives a little bit perhaps to be in the presence of Jesus before we busy ourselves with what we call the work, our habits, our time, our use of money? Do we need to recalibrate any of that so that we aren't living lives you know, full of sound and fury signifying nothing? We want to get in step with the pace of Jesus. Behold him and then open the doors of our hearts and our lives to make him known to others. So that's who we want to be as a people who obey Jesus' command to make disciples. We proclaim Christ, admonishing, which is another word for like warning, correcting, teaching everyone with all wisdom so we may present everyone fully mature in Christ What does maturity mean? This is Paul's vision, to have people who are mature in Christ. Um, My next graph, please, thank you. Oh, it didn't come out too clearly, but there's a progression of maturity from the baby to the adult. It is possible to biologically start here and end up here and have been a follower of Jesus your whole life, say this is, you know, a 30-year-old over here we we want 30 years of beholding Jesus we don't want uh 30 times of repeating the experience of this baby does that make sense so we want we want we want depth we want Paul said in the the verses Blair read earlier that all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge are hidden in Christ we want to be a people who have depth we want to be a people who, words, who are mature in other word for mature is complete or reaching the goal. Paul says, I want to present everyone fully mature in Christ. I want them to reach the goal in Christ. I want them to be complete in Christ. Not just repeating a toddler experience for decade after decade. Friends, if you feel stuck in your walk with Jesus, there's more. There is more. Jesus' Uh, goal for your life is not for you to feel stuck and like, I will never enter into anything more in my relationship with him. There is more that he has for you. So we want to be people who take people on this journey and say, I'm going to teach you to behold Jesus with me. So come to the prayer room with me. And we're going to spend time looking at Jesus together, being in the presence of God together. I'm going to text you during the week. And tell you what God's been speaking to me through the Bible. And ask you what you've been reading in the Bible. That's a discipleship. We're going on the journey together. Not ticking the box of religious duty. But saying, what have you seen about Jesus? Come to house church with me. And we'll pray together. And we'll talk about living as followers of Jesus together. These are the kind of people we want to be. We're not chasing just a little bit of life improvement. In fact, if that's what we offer to people, it's going to be a very frustrating process for both them and us. Because God didn't become a man just to improve your life a little bit. He came to transform your life. And that's critical to our vision for discipleship. Too often we've, as the Western Church, broadly speaking, thrown out a vision of come to Jesus, improve your life, a better life. But what Paul's talking about here is people who are mature in Christ, people who don't just have a little bit of alteration, a little bit more of an upstanding citizen, but a transformation to be like Jesus. Transformation meaning, if you cut me, love comes out. Transformation meaning, Instead of being quick to react in offense, I actually have compassion. Not because I was compassionate, because I've been in the presence of God who's merciful and my heart's been touched and now I respond differently. Transformation where pressure comes because it will and trial comes and I don't shrivel up in fear as my first reaction. I can rise up in faith. This is the transformation we want. And this is, this is the, so Paul's writing physical letters. but There's one time when he said, you guys that I'm writing to, you are the letter to the people around you. Like you might be the only Bible your neighbors read this week. So you got to be people in the presence of God, transformed by him, so that when they read your lives, they see, oh, Mercy. Kindness, compassion this is different that 's who Jesus is now there's another component to discipleship to calling people into relationship with jesus that that I want to finish with here this morning and it 's in verse twenty well t- starting from twenty nine paul says it 's on the screen. T- First one, uh, chapter 129. To this end, I strenuously contend with all the energy Christ so powerfully works in me. I want you to know how hard I'm contending for you. That's the church in Colossae. I'm contending for you and those at Laodicea, which was just down the road, and for all who have not met me personally. So catch this. He's strenuously contending for this maturity in Christ, for people he's never met personally. He, he can't text them. There's no live streaming of his preaching. We do have this one letter recorded from him to them, which would have taken, you know, who knows how long, get from his prison to their city. In other words, there's not a whole lot of interaction. You're like They couldn't leave comments after they'd read the letter, right? There's no, there's no follow-up emails. But he says, I'm strenuously contending for those who have not met me personally. So how did he do this? Well, here's the clue. The start of his letter, Colossians 1 verse 9. And this is going to apply to you in about 30 seconds. Colossians 1 9, he says, Since the day we heard about you, we have not stopped praying for you. Flick to the end of the letter in the final verses, chapter 4, verse 12. Epaphras, that's a guy who helped establish this church. Epaphras, who is one of you and a servant of Christ Jesus, sends greetings. He is always wrestling in prayer for you, that you may stand firm in all the will of God mature and fully assured. That sounds just like Paul. He wants them to stand firm in all the will of God, mature and fully assured. How? He's always wrestling in prayer for you. We could look through other letters, the start of Philippians, where he says, I always pray for you with joy. I have you in my heart, whether I'm in chains or whether I'm defending and confirming the gospel. In Ephesians 1, he says, Ever since I heard about your faith, I've not stopped giving thanks to you, remembering in you in my prayers. In other words, there's a component of being disciple-makers, New Life Church, where we wrestle in prayer. And actually, this is the place we have to go. If we want to see the fruit of discipleship, get a vision like Paul. Who said, since I heard about you, I have not stopped praying for you. Get hold of what Epaphras said. God, teach me what Epaphras knew. That he would always be wrestling in prayer for them to stand firm in the will of God. So before I mentioned, you know, our New Life Kids team, our New Life Youth team, discipling 30 or 40 kids different times in the week. We can't all be there at those gatherings. But you can wrestle in prayer for the discipleship of those children. You can't all come in for various reasons to the school to assist, although if you want to, the school would love more volunteers to assist, I'm sure. But you can pray daily for the hundreds of students we have at this school. Like Epaphras, this guy who is always wrestling in prayer, that they would stand firm in all the will of God, mature and fully assured. We can wrestle in prayer. You know, Paul's in prison, wrestling in prayer for the believers in the city of Colossae to be mature in God. Who are you going to wrestle for? In the spirit realm, where your words matter before the throne of God, who are you going to wrestle for in prayer? Let's land this thing. So we talked about beholding Jesus. The critical importance of being a people who see Jesus for ourselves, who are being with Jesus before we get busy doing for Jesus. We want to be a people aligning with God's vision for our life, his vision for discipleship, which is transforming us to be like his son. And we want to be a people who go on the journey of discipleship with someone. From the place of being with Jesus to open our hearts, to open our lives and say, hey, come with me to behold Jesus. Come with me. I want to help you learn to look at Jesus for yourself because I want you to stand firm in all that God has for you. Let's stand and let's pray. And actually, if you're someone here who who is a follower of Jesus, I want you to put this into practice right now. First, praying for yourself to be one who beholds Jesus and is becoming more like Jesus. And then praying for those in our lives who we want to see come and They're not there yet. They may not be connected to Jesus. We want to see them become mature in Christ. So first of all, a prayer for ourselves. And you can pray along with me. Lord, we stand before you today. We receive, again, the, the invitation from the Lord Jesus Christ, which was to go into the world and make disciples, to make those apprentices, those followers who are becoming like the one they follow. And we read in this letter, we catch a glimpse of the heart of Paul and the zeal that was in him for even people he had not personally met, how he strenuously contended for their fullness in Christ. He did that from the place of seeing you and beholding you and being transformed by you. So, Lord, firstly, we pray for ourselves this morning. We ask... For a spirit of revelation we ask that you would deliver your church from boredom and bring us into fascination Lord so often the hindrance to the knowledge of Jesus going out just because we're because we're bored because we're dull so Lord forgive us where there's been a dullness that's crept in where we've said "Uh, I know that I've heard that before I'm familiar with that Lord Jesus, help us. Holy Spirit, help us to see, open our eyes to behold Jesus and transform our hearts that so we, we would have hearts ready to go out and to love well. Lord, where we've been busy but we haven't been with you, help us to come back to that place, to slow our lives down to the pace of Jesus be people who are in your presence who are sent out from your presence And now Lord we just pray for those in our lives you've called us to love you've called us to represent you to you Go ahead and begin to pray for those in your lives you want to see encounter Jesus family members friends Lord, we lift our voices today and say, it's not okay, Lord. It's not okay that our city would be asleep, indifferent to you. We ask you to wake up this city. We ask you to wake up every student in this school. We ask you to wake up our family members, Lord, who do not know you, our neighbors. God, wake us up to the reality it's heaven or hell. And wake up those around us, spirit of revelation. Only you can do this. Only you can illuminate the need. Only you can make them aware. And God, you're the one who can change their lives with your kindness, with your mercy, with your grace. So this morning we just proclaim Christ, as Paul called us to. We proclaim Christ, the one who brings people out of darkness into light. We proclaim Christ, the one who is a healer, the one who is a restorer. We proclaim Christ, the one who has the supremacy in all things, the one who is holding all things together, the one who is able to work all things together for good, the one who is for us. We proclaim you, Jesus. There's no one like you. Deliver us from the dullness. Deliver us from boredom. Give us a spirit of revelation to know you, to see you. Change us to be like you. Send us out as people of your presence. That We would see many come to know you, Lord. Mature in Christ. That's our vision. We join our vision to yours, Lord a generation changed. Come on, pray with me just another few minutes for this school. These hundreds of students entrusted to us, many of them, they have not yet discovered how good you are for themselves, Lord. We pray. We pray for every student of Fremantle Christian College to have an encounter with the love of Jesus. God, this is a sphere of influence you've given us. Maybe we won't see their faces. Maybe we won't speak to them ourselves. But like a paraphrase, we take, take our place. And we want to be ones wrestling in prayer that they would know the will of God. Be fully assured. Be mature in Christ, God. We say yes to, to an inheritance in this school of children who would know you and love you and experience the goodness of God for themselves. Come and do it, Lord. Pour out your spirit in this school. Amen.